podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hi, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner, and thank you for joining us for our podcast today. A Better Way, Woman Telling Woman About Online Learning. And we are very lucky to have two experts in this area and working on an incredible project. We have Dr. Gail Weatherly. Gail, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we also have Dr. Paige Mask. Paige, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Let me introduce you to our speakers. First, Dr. Weatherly. She is with the Office of Instructional Technology at Stephen F. Austin State University. Dr. Weatherly does quite a bit of outside consulting as instructional design and online course development. In past lives, Dr. Weatherly has been a distance education coordinator for Stephen F. Austin State University. She has numerous honors, and one is Dissertation of the Year Award for 2008 uh, from Texas A&M, and also as a nominee for 2008 Woman of the Year Award for University Professional Woman. She received her Doctorate of Philosophy in Human Resource Development at Texas A&M University, and also a Master's of Education in Education Technology from UT Brownsville. Dr. Weatherly, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I also have a list of publications and presentations. It goes on for pages, so I will not be reading them, but I am so lucky to have you here today to share your project. And next, I'd like to introduce our other speaker, Dr. Paige Mask. Dr. Mask is an assistant online professor in the Department of Human Services at Stephen F. Austin State University. She has her PhD from Texas Women's University in Denton, Texas, and also her master's in education from Texas Women's University. And her areas of research and interest include students with disabilities in post-secondary education settings. And she also has five years of teaching experience in higher education in the areas of assessment and students with disabilities. Thank you, Dr. Mass, for joining us. Thank you, my pleasure. I know the name of your project is called Core for for Women. Could you describe a little bit about the project and how did you actually come up with that name? Well, the Collaborative Online Resource Environment for Women, shortened uh, to Core for Women, was a concept that actually was born before it had a name, but it came from research about women in online learning who found that they had, out of their own ingenuity and resources, struggled and found what they needed in the way of uh, support and financial aid and networking, and they completed online degrees, and then they had a desire, at least they expressed to me in my research, a desire to be able to share what they had learned with other women who are still struggling. And I think they felt that that would make a difference in the educational outcomes for some women, especially disadvantaged women. But there was really no mechanism set up 
for them to be able to share with other women. So I presented at uh, the International Forum for Women in E-Learning Conference in 2007 in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I posed the question in my presentation about how higher education is possibly providing this you know, mechanism for women, and the audience felt that really we needed to do more and that there should be some environment online for women to be able to meet together and provide that expertise and knowledge to other women. And so one of the audience members came up to me and said, you need to formalize this into a proposal and, and submit that to the United States Distance Learning Association. So I began the process of pulling together what turned out to be 30 volunteers who helped write a proposal that was submitted in 2008 to the United States Distance Learning Association to ask for their oversight and support of developing a social networking website for this purpose. And I guess I have to be honest, the name actually came together when I was um, collaborating at a meeting with some online instructors at my university and I was telling them about the development of this and one of the professors who's now an interim chair she said well now let's just think about that I actually had come up with core for women before what the acronym meant and she just wrote down on a piece of paper she said what about you know collaborative online resource and so we, we played around with the words and then it had meaning for what we were doing and on August 31st of 2008, the proposal was submitted and in a conference call, USDLA confirmed that they did like this concept a lot, but they wanted us to go ahead and utilize a social networking host, develop the site, and conduct a pilot. Again, that sounded easy. It was not easy. <laughs> it was really a lot of time and, and labor and energy but fortunately, volunteers from this pool of 30 actually to, uh, was a smaller core group, I would say, came together and Dr. Mask was one of those who really then spent a lot of time and energy to help make this website what it is. It took photographers, graphic artists, instructors, online instructors, multimedia specialists, educational consultants, so it took a variety of people to help bring the resources together to make the Core for Women website what it currently is and, and prepare it for the pilot. What an incredible process. I'm sure you were not aware at the time when you started of how much time and energy it would take. Absolutely, totally not aware. <laughs> I think her comment was ignorance is bliss. Yeah. <laughs> One of the major challenges, too, was to become familiar with a social networking site, Ning.com, which the executive committee of USDLA made a very good suggestion that we utilize a host. But the thing is, I had never heard of Ning. So I had to totally get familiar with that environment and then also pull in professionals who had skills to expand upon that templated kind of social networking environment. I think one of the questions that was posed to us as well was, how is your site different from other sites that list resources? 
and it kind of caught us off guard for a minute and we thought well we are different but but to articulate that and the personal mentoring I believe is is what we're focusing on is making this different from simply resources good point how did you actually conduct your pilot study well I had developed a relationship with a nonprofit organization within our geographic region I had actually gone to their facility to volunteer and started talking with them about online learning and that came again from the research I had done and one of the participants in my research had actually been a, a victim of abuse and as she through education got out of that kind of life, you know, situation, she told me that she goes back and volunteers in nonprofit organizations to help women gain skills that will really help them utilize online learning to get out of the situation. So when I went over to volunteer at the nonprofit organization, I found out that online learning was not on their radar screen at all. It was a foreign idea in a way and and that's what the director told me but she was very open and very intrigued by this so we started a relationship and so when we needed a pilot group she was very open to the idea of involving the residents of her nonprofit organization in a pilot for online learning so they could literally learn more about that type of education we opened the pilot up for about two weeks we wanted to start locally however this program does have sites across Texas and across the nation and they're also opening up a international site. So we have utilized a small pool but have the opportunity to continue this project reaching out to similar groups of women. Um, also we had considered reaching out to women in the military or their spouses who are in the military who could be moved at any time and need an opportunity to attend online classes. Single parents is another group that we had thought of targeting. So it's really wide open, but this is where we chose to start right now. What did you learn from this experience? I think we've learned a series of, of next steps that we need to do. And the next steps do include um, including a, a wider or larger group of women to access our site and give us feedback and uh, so we can determine the resources and the items that we do provide on our website. We also learned that even these disadvantaged women that we think of as disadvantaged and who have been in a violent situation, we assumed maybe that they didn't know a lot about social networking environments. Technology. Technology. And we were wrong because when I went over and had them signing the consent forms, and was explaining everything about the pilot and the website and what we were wanting to do. They said, oh, you know, we use Facebook. We use MySpace all the time. This is not a problem at all. This is not a challenge. So that was a pleasant surprise. And this supports or strengthens our premise that women will utilize a social networking website learning about online programs. What actually are your next steps for Core for Women? I'm sure you have a lot of agenda items that you would like to implement, but what will be your next steps? Considering time constraints and monetary constraints? We definitely want to, as Dr. Mass said, gradually broaden the base of our pilot as we learn more and more about how to make this better. 
So we want to go back and, of course, now presenting at USDLA, we're attracting a broader audience of potential volunteer mentors, which is going to help us tremendously as we get ready to broaden the pilot to include this nonprofit organization across Texas. And I was a little conservative about the number of participants to have in this first pilot, and I actually probably didn't have enough, but I, I was so worried about overloading the volunteer mentors who are busy, professional women who were giving their time to come into the site to dialogue with other women. It turned out they all, they all pretty much told us that they could have handled many more mentees. So that makes us feel very good now about taking the next step to a state level to really go through another pilot and learn more about how to make the, the entire project better. And then we'll look toward a national level. I think we're also seeking support from a organization such as If We for this. Um, Gail, would you talk a little bit more about that? Well, that is true because we realize that this kind of project is larger than ourselves and, and we want it to be that way. We would like for it to be taken under the wing, so to speak, of uh, an organization like the International Forum for Women in E-Learning where there will constantly be an influx of professionals who feel strongly about supporting women in e-learning or online learning to continually give oversight and wisdom and participation in a project like this. What a wonderful project and I know people after listening to both of you over the last 15 minutes or so will want to contact you. Could you share some of that contact information if people want to touch base with you? Right now I think the best way to contact me is by email and my email address is G and G Weatherly, G-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-L-Y at S-F-A-S-U dot E-D-U or gweatherly at att.net. Either one of those email addresses will allow people to reach me. Thank you so much, Dr. Mask and Dr. Weatherly. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. This is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and if you would like to find out more information about the association, you can reach us at www.usdla.org. Thank you very much and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related, helping professions throughout the world.